You're listening to the Royal Society of Medicine's Digital Health podcast series, where we aim to support healthcare innovation by disseminating knowledge of expert leaders at the Royal Society of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Marla Morkin. Welcome to this episode of the Digital Health podcast series from the Royal Society of Medicine's Digital Health Council. In this episode, we were lucky to be joined by Dr. Nicholas Stingelin, who is an ethics and data expert. We discuss all things big data and how we can build healthcare interventions only when we address the data ethics and patient privacy issues at hand. Enjoy. We're here with Dr. Nicholas Stingelin, an independent ethics advisor and research ethics advisor for artificial intelligence. She completed her PhD in medical ethics and an MBA and also held a position as a global head of a pharmaceutical corporation with responsibilities for intellectual property. It's brilliant to have you here, not only as a speaker for the Royal Society of Medicine today, but also on our podcast series. So thank you very much for coming. My pleasure. So please tell us a little bit about you and how you got into this space. Um, It'd be great to hear about your background. Right. So my first career was, as mentioned, in the pharmaceutical business, which I'm still passionate about. Uh, I love female frivolities like handbags, but I couldn't work in the industry and I just love the healthcare business. So I was in industry uh, and it was great. I was global head for IP and stuff. And then I thought at a certain age, this is not enough for my life content. Uh, just earning lots of money and jetting around and being terribly cool. So I gave everything up, plundered my uh, bank account and started again with studies, basically, which resulted in me then doing my PhD in medical ethics at the University of Basel in Switzerland, where I've lived for the last nearly 40 years. So I started off by specialising in research ethics, uh, and it's become apparent for the last five, six, seven years. I mean, I used to bore people. People, I could empty a room on the subject of big data, algorithms, <laughs> and statistics. When, it, when nobody was talking about it, I could literally, people, they glazed over the eye, look. Uh, and it's been something I'm, I'm incredibly interested in for the longest time. Uh, and now I'm fortunate enough, I also advise for the pharmaceutical industry, for Hoffman LaRoche, for instance, and other big pharmaceutical corporations who are investing big time in real-world data, etc., etc., and the use of data in the R&D process with the idea that this is going to change, revolutionise healthcare. So I'm very interested in the, the ethical but also the business aspects of this whole space. Since I've been back in the UK, I've become more and more intrigued, of course, with the UK system, which, because of its national health system, is a very particular mm-hmm. way of looking data. And you're going to ask me what are the issues I see. And one of the issues, which i am just been discussing now at lunchtime, is the fact that if you look at big data, big data, big change, title of, of what we're talking about, look at NHS, the big data we're talking about, it's our data. It's, it's a public good. It belongs to society. And I'm very interested in questions such as under what terms and conditions should we give it to the commercial pharmaceutical business? Should they have access to this data Mm -hmm. based on which they can then generate profit, which is perfectly okay? Uh, Patent rights as well. But are we sure that enough income is being returned back to society because this data one could see as a public good? So that's the way I look at, yeah, that's the way I look at data with my business background firmly on which is incredibly useful mm-hmm. and also it means that people can't bluff <laughs> so easily but patents well actually I do know a bit about patents oh my god you're all scared really? you're so that's the kind of approach mm-hmm. I have uh, as an ethicist but 
as an ethicist, and of course we're looking at the normative, what we should be doing. And I try not to be one of those negative ethicists that's just looking at the negative points. And my approach to what I'm going to be talking about this afternoon is just to, and it's what I'm always trying to think of, is should I be here? Do we need an ethicist? Have I got anything to say? Are there any ethics issues really with mm-hmm. this big data? Or are we just ethicists bluffing and making a lot of noise? And what's the answer? There are some issues. Okay. I may change my opinion. I may realise no issues that I see might disappear as my knowledge increases, Mm -hmm. as society changes. Mm -hmm. So I think there are some issues that we mustn't make hysterical and overdo. I was just saying, you know, informed consent, there's possibly too much attention on that. It is an issue. But I think these things like who owns data, Mm -hmm. who should have the benefit of using Mm -hmm. it on a global, and I'm very keen because our problem is is that we tend to look at it on a UK basis, and how about global data? And who puts, currently, who puts the value on the data? Who says this data is worth this amount or um, um, and should be shared in this way? Who has the authority at the moment? Well, I mean, that there isn't really, um, there isn't anything globally, OK? And each country may have laws. I mean, we have a data protection law of the EU, which actually is an excellent law, which the UK has taken over. Mm-hmm. So in spite of Brexit, we have it. This is, this is governing quite a lot about data mm-hmm. on an individual personal level. It's dealing about your data or my data if I go to the hospital. That we've pretty much got stitched up. But this today we're talking about digital big data, collective data, and that has not yet been regulated regulated in any way. And at the moment, it's kind of a healthy free-for-all, and there are lots of very intelligent people trying to decide what we should do. And what I'm realising more and more, I mean, as an ethicist, I have my opinion is not worth anything as an opinion. My job is just to try and stake out, to map out the issues for society to decide. And will it take a big catastrophe to really to really get everyone talking about it and sit up and regulate it? Or do you think people will be proactive? Yeah. Well, I think we've had the disasters. I mean, I, I'm going to be quoting Cambridge Analytica this afternoon. I mean, look at Facebook. Uh, we've had the disasters. And to be fair, there is now a high level of awareness about data. But I still wonder whether the discussions are in the right collective population level which we need to have we know about data security about being hacked i was one of the ba people where my data was nicked oh, so I mean, we've all been that's, it doesn't matter you know but this is something but i do think on the issues that we're talking about in today in this lovely rsm event we're talking about another level of data and there you've really got to ed- educate sounds very patronizing talk to the general public mm-hmm. involve them and it's for us as a society to decide and do you think that at the end of the day, patients care where their data goes in, if it's being looked at in a, in a big data type of in yes. fashion? I think, oh, wow, great question. I think, I think you're absolutely right. All empirical research shows that if you ask almost anybody in the world, can I use your data? Anonymize usually, but it's not always possible to anonymize it. That's another subject. For research, R&D and that, that. Almost everybody will say yes, but this does not mean, from a philosophical point of view, that we should start to assume that's the case. Mm -hmm. And for me, although I quite agree for sharing data within reason, we have to have the respect for the individual of asking. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that to me, and because when we start, oh, nobody minds. So that's one point. I think we have to ask people instead of an opt-out policy almost do you think that it should be an opt-in policy i think i think we should have the status quo now i mean i consult with so many research trials and and i write informed consent documents and you know it is the standard practice since many years now that a standard clause in an informed consent information sheet will be we might well analyze your data and give it on to research is that okay Mm-hmm. Now, people may choose not to read the informed consent document, but that's their choice. But it's very important for me as a philosopher that if people want to read it and they care enough, or they don't, we don't mind, mm-hmm. that it's there to be it's asked. There. And this treating of respect is absolutely vital. But here's the, here's the big question. If um, you're a, a cancer patient who wanted to have a treatment, but in order for that treatment to exist, it had to be analysed through big data. But yet you won't share your data. Yeah, yeah. Where do you sit there? Oh, I mean, when I hear that kind of thing, that people, you know, w- w- wanting the cakes without without mixing the dough, mm-hmm. um, I find that very distressing on a, on, a, on a interpersonal level. But I think as a society, it's very dangerous if we set the precedent of making people get their just desserts. Um, so I think, unfortunately, this is really going back to pirate law, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That although you want, I want to scream, it, ah, and there is, there is a coherent but rather brutal argument, you know, you don't deserve it, but come on. And I think I think it's, it's like people who, 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 who take drugs. It's usually the reason why they're unhappy and uncharitable. Do we stop treating them? No, we don't. Mm-hmm. I think... It's very annoying, it's deeply distressing, it makes me very angry, but we shouldn't be withholding. It's like people who are overweight. Mm -hmm, Exactly. However annoying that is, and sometimes you want to shake it, it's usually 0.0000% of the population who really have these issues, and I think we should try not to become that kind of society that's giving just desserts, which is such a mean-spirited way to be. And talking about, you know, people that do drugs or um, are overweight and all of these things that society puts stigmas attached to without looking at the causes of the causes, do you think we're doing enough with the data right now to see the cause of the data trends that we're seeing? Now, this is exactly what I'm going to be talking about. I think the chances of good quality big data, good quality big data, which has to be about all the determinants of health, and that's what's so incredibly interesting about what we're doing now, we know now that health is complex, it's very personal. You've got to have, to understand anything about why these things happen. You've got to have, unfortunately, economic, sometimes, because it is DNA as well, sometimes you've got to have some some issues about um, the country of origin because mm-hmm. there are differences in the genome. You've got to have all this data about how we live, how we feel, what we earn, and then we can start to understand not just a correlation but a causality. So the data is Big data is starting to give us the possibility to understand more about causalities. Only when we understand more about causalities can we even start to think about designing interventions that might help make people healthier. But on the other hand, notwithstanding that, I gave a talk a couple of months ago, that's not being said. I still, nevertheless, don't agree with an absolute paternalism or even maternal thing that stop smoking, stop drinking. You know, I drink wine, you know, (laughs) and I think we've got to be careful not to start doing nudging based on big data, social behaviour data, uh, which is taking away our freedom. For me, 
if individual freedom means anything, within certain terms and conditions, it must mean that I have the freedom to do silly things, like bungee mm-hmm. drum, you like have choice. drink. Yes. So on one hand, I think we need to use the data to be able to encourage people, but I think we can overdo it as well, which will have a backlash anyway. This is such an interesting um, insight into this. So give us a sum up of a couple of sentences. What what challenges do you think that if we understand the ethics behind this all, right. we can really solve with yes. digital health? Yes. I mean, oh gosh, I think I think before we run ahead, we really need a big discussion with society, with patient organisations, with doctors, with the scientists about what data is. The problem at the moment is that we talk about data. What data? You know, you can't do that. Is it what kind of data? How is it going to be used? It's different to say that NHS will use the data directly for the public good than a company. So I, I really think we've got to stop running ahead be very quiet, have this very interesting discussion, what is data? My answer is data can be many things in different contexts. And therefore, the ethical issues will depend on the context of the data use. And so rather talk about data and saving the world, no, can we just turn back a bit and start being very, very quiet about this and building models which will be informed by ethical principles so that as a society we can make good judgments about what kind of data in what context we should welcome access to and where we need to protect interests. Thank you for listening to this episode of the RSM Digital Health podcast series from the Digital Health Council. Please remember that the views expressed in this podcast are of the speakers themselves and not of the RSM. You can continue to follow us on this podcast and tune in to the next episode. And also we'd love to have you down at some of the Digital Health Council events at the RSM, which you can find out more about at www.rsm.ac.uk. And we've put the links in the podcast description too. Bye for now.